0: Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. There once was a young Jewish girl named Mary. How much do we really know about her? Despite some folks' impression, the scriptures speak of her quite a bit, more than we might think. She shows up, actually, in the book of Genesis, and in the book of Revelation, and throughout, all between. Admittedly, the details of her personal information in the New Testament is rather sparse, but that doesn't mean that we don't know about her deeply in fact. In fact the lack of personal detail in a way serves to heighten what we do know about her. The scriptures leave out the superfluous information so that the really important stuff is accentuated even if it's only communicated in a few lines or a few words. The mistake would be for us to gloss over those few words and not get the full import of their meaning a young Jewish girl named Mary. Now we know that this young girl is compared in parallel to the very first woman, the woman of all living in the garden of God. We know that that first woman was gullible and unwise. While in the garden, we know that she was approached by a powerful and evil angel who deceived her, and through her gullible, unwise, selfish belief, and the fallen angel's deceptive words, she plunged mankind into darkness and death. We know that this young Jewish girl named Mary is compared to that woman, is a parallel to that woman. We also know that this young girl was approached by an angel herself. Where was she when she was approached? Well, perhaps in the garden with God, in a state of prayer. And contemplation. The angel that she was approached by was very high-ranking himself. Same angel that had just been to visit Zachariah not too long earlier and told him that I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. This, the greatest angel of all the glorious angels, comes from the very intimate presence of God. He comes to this young Jewish girl who is compared to that first woman we spoke of, that one who was deceived. And the angel says some pretty remarkable things to this girl, rather outlandish and unbelievable things, in fact. Now, in contrast to the first woman, Mary displayed what the fathers call prudent discernment at the angel's message. And she received the message as if from God himself, and she believed the angel. She was told... In short, that she would be the vehicle through which mankind would be saved. That God would join himself to mankind, and it was through her very person that this would take place. Now, if that's all you knew, you really don't know hardly any personal details about her, except she was young, she was a virgin, she was a girl, her name was Mary. And yet, just based on that, just based on the message of an angel, You know a whole lot about this young girl named Mary. There actually is a lot more revealed in the scriptures about her. And we don't have time to go over everything that happened in detail. But I do have one particular thing I want to say about this young Jewish girl and why she was chosen by God. Of the numerous things the angel said to her, some of them he said... That his message to her was cause for great joy. He told her that out of all mankind. She had been especially chosen. To receive grace from God. In order to become God's mother. She was favored. Favored above all others. She was highly blessed. Now this blessing that she was receiving this is a little bit different than your aunt Mary Lou when you say how you doing Mary Lou and she says oh I'm blessed this blessing's a little bit higher grade than that we're talking blessed among all of God's creatures there's no blessing like this blessing ever received this girl Mary is special she is unique among God's creation she has been prepared by God himself She's been formed and chosen, purified, to be that new Eve, the mother of God. The most powerful and important angelic being in the universe is sent from the very presence of God to this young girl to give her this news and to inaugurate this great miracle. And she is told that when God looks upon her, he is pleased. God is pleased (coughs) with her. The eternal and almighty God looks upon this young girl. And he holds her in the highest esteem. And has poured out his grace and favor upon her. More than any other woman for all generations. Now there are two aspects to her greatness. First, she is great because the son of God descends into her womb and by so doing makes her great that is for sure secondly she is highly favored and chosen and esteemed by God because of her purity both of these things are true at the same time in other words she is pure because she was prepared and chosen and she is chosen and prepared because she is pure if you can't accept these two things at once you're going to have a very hard time being a Christian. I want to give a little attention to the second point. That God looked upon her and esteemed her and found her favorable. He found her favorable. Prior to the incarnation. Prior to the annunciation. And I want to ask the question, what did she do to become favorable to God? To be chosen to bear the Christ. Now the reason this question is so very important for us is because we are called to imitate her our joy is dependent upon us also bearing Christ just as Christ was in Mary Saint Paul tells us that Christ in us is the hope of glory if we do not bear Christ if he is not born in us then we have nothing So we ask, what was it that attracted God to his blessed mother? And what will attract him to us? Now this is where the scanty information in the New Testament helps, actually, to accentuate what is of primary importance. When we put everything we know about her together from the scriptures, we get a very clear image of a contemplative person. Once again, we ask, what did she do to earn God's favor, (coughs) to garner his attention? She didn't do anything, per se. Certainly, there is no notable accomplishment in a worldly sense. Her greatness, and mind you, her greatness is the greatest greatness among human beings. Her greatness, which is the greatest greatness among all human beings, That ever has been or ever will be. Her greatness does not consist in some notable accomplishment. There are virtually no details of her doing anything. Really. She's just there. In the gospel. Quietly. What do we deduce from this? Well. The church is unequivocal in its deduction. From this picture that we get of the mother of God. And that is that she has her mind and her heart. She possesses her soul in the presence of God in a way that is pleasing to Him. She offers herself to Him in complete, total, humble, loving sacrifice. A gift of herself, her whole self to God. She adores God. She remembers Him at all times. She is there, quietly, possessing her soul in the presence of God. This is her greatness. This is why she is looked upon by God Himself, esteemed and favored by God. This is what attracts the grace of God. This is why she is chosen, because of her interior beauty. She heard the word of the Lord and she hid these things in her heart. She pondered and meditated upon the things that God spoke to her. This is the Blessed Virgin. She fled the chaotic and tumultuous worldly noise. She went into a secret place. She rested in God. She humbled herself before God. She adored him and worshipped him and gave herself to him. On the interior. On some of the Marian feasts in the Eastern Rite, I think at least two or three, the gospel lesson is not about the Blessed Mary at all. The gospel lesson is actually about the two sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. You know, when Martha's bustling around taking care of everyone and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, adoring and listening to him. The story how Jesus rebukes Martha and says Mary has chosen the better part. It's interesting, isn't it? That that is the gospel lesson chosen for several Marian feasts. Well, the church sees in this story of the two Marys, Mary, Lazarus' sister, and Mary, the mother of God, that they do not share a name by coincidence. But Mary, Martha's sister, is a type of Mary, the mother of God, As far as her contemplative and interior oriented love for Christ. The priest, Zechariah, who is also a main character in our story during this season, he was a righteous and holy man, father of St. John the Baptist. Zechariah was pleasing to God, he was a righteous man, but he wasn't as pleasing as the young virgin. He was pleasing, but not as pleasing as our Blessed Mother. He was serving in the temple when a great and powerful angel appeared to him and gave him this great news that he, in his old barrenness, was going to actually have a boy. And this son would be great and used by God for one of the most remarkable missions in the history of the world. While Zechariah questioned the angel now, he did not question the angel in the prudent way that Mary questioned the angel. Zacharias, while righteous, to be sure, was not in the same place as the young girl in terms of his interior life, his readiness to respond to God's messenger in absolute humble faith. So while the angel had made himself known to Zachariah there, in the temple, while the angel had been rather impressive and intimidating, I'm sure, in his initial approach, upon Zachariah's imprudent questioning of the angel's message, things began to intensify. The angel stood tall. I think he probably grew a few feet right there before Zachariah's eyes. In that moment, the light that emanated from him intensified so as to burn Zechariah's eyes. The angel's voice deepened and rolled out like thunder on the horizon. The room shook and the angel said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Sounds like a scene from Lord of the Rings and Gandalf facing the Balog or something but that's how you hear it I am Gabriel Zachariah that was imprudent of you (laughs) do you not know who speaks to you I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God this is Gabriel he just came from the presence of God and presented himself to this man who questions him I was sent to you to bring these glad tidings But because you have not believed my word, your mouth will be shut and you will not speak until the fulfillment of what I have spoken to you. Well, even though Zechariah was a good and righteous man, he apparently had not spent sufficient time in silent contemplation in the presence of God. And so the angel was going to give him a little help in finding his place. Apparently, Zachariah, you've been talking too much and not spent enough time listening. So as my gift to you, I'm going to take away your voice so you can sit in silence for the next nine months and find yourself again. Find God in your heart. Let your mind descend into your heart and there adore your maker and worship him in humility. And maybe you can return to some spiritual discernment and remember God instead of being so occupied in your thoughts and so many things that you can't even recognize the most powerful being in the universe when he comes directly from God's presence and gives you this great message of joy. Now that is precisely what is being communicated to us here in this story. Well, the Jews weren't prepared either. He came into his own and they received him not. You see, this is part two of last week's message, even though I haven't mentioned it about Preparation. By the way, Zachariah, I'm getting ready to go see your wife's cousin, that young girl Mary, and I have a feeling that she is more prepared to hear my message than you have been because I have witnessed her in deep worshipful contemplation before the presence of God. If you want to receive the Christ who is your joy, you are going to need to prepare yourself by developing. Your interior life in humble worship, sacrificial love, contemplation of the goodness of God. Of offering yourself from the heart. Everybody comes to confession, myself included, and we confess that our mind wanders in church. Well, that's kind of like confessing you couldn't finish the marathon or you did poorly on your math test. The confession is really that you've not worked on your interior life during the week. Well, you're not at Mass. And then you come to Mass and you can't concentrate. The result of sin and corruption and death in this world, at its very root, most fundamental basic level, is that we all suffer from a divided, chaotic, unfocused interior life. That is essential to all of us. And you can't climb Mount Everest... If you spend all your time in the easy chair. You can't focus in worship. If you don't spend time. Practicing the presence and remembrance of God. To develop the ability to tune your heart into God. Is necessary. That preparation. Is necessary for us. To receive the Christ. To have discernment. To know And see holy things. To see and know God himself. To be filled with contentment at the presence of God. And this requires spiritual work. It is the work of interior contemplation and worship. Now, if you have a condition, I'm sorry. You know, we all have handicaps. I have handicaps. You have handicaps. By that I mean you have a hard time concentrating. I'm sorry about that. We all have handicaps in this life. There's no excuses. We all have handicaps. That just means we have to work harder. It also means you get a greater reward. The harder you work. God's pleased with that. You just have to work harder. Look, Jesus himself went into the mountain alone to pray regularly. Paul spent years in the desert alone. Martha's sister Mary sat at the feet of Jesus in adoration, rapt attention. The Blessed Mother herself, she exemplifies above all others the one who has been purified and prepared for the greatest of all human missions by her contemplating and being in the presence of God with her heart held out to God in humble adoration, a sacrificial gift of herself, For this she is seen by God, esteemed above all others, chosen to be the one who would bear the Christ and become the mother of God. I don't know what you're ambitious about, what you hope to accomplish in this life. I don't know what you think is important. I don't know what you think you need to get done today, or tomorrow, or this week, in order to feel good about yourself. But if prayer, and meditation, and interior worship, and remembrance of God, and Lectio Divina, divine contemplation on the Holy Scriptures, and reading the Scriptures, if this is not at the top of your list, then we've got our priorities wrong. And I know we all struggle with this. If we want to be great, if we want to find favor with God, if we want to Find that ultimate joy. We've got to get our priorities straight. We have to imitate the young virgin girl. Who did nothing notable. If you're an ambitious person. You want to accomplish something. Do something great. Just remember. The greatest thing you can do. The really great thing you can do. Is the thing that the mother of God did. And that is to be in the presence of God. And offer yourself and worship to Him, to adore Him. The church gives opportunities to help us with this. We have to do it privately in our closet at home. If we don't do it there, we're going to be lost when we're in the Mass, or when we're at Adoration, or when we're at Lauds or Vespers. But these things also the church gives us to help us in this area of our life, this all-important area of our life, which so often gets sort of pushed to the bottom of the list. Because we have so many other things to do. So many other important things that we have to do. That this one all important thing. The thing that is most pleasing to God. Sort of gets pushed to the end of the list. And if we have time. And if we have the energy. And if we have the interest or the motivation. Maybe we'll get around to it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardeen, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of The Orthodox West.